Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod and give us a like on Facebook. Also, please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and give us five stars. It really helps us out. I can no longer listen in silence. I must speak to you by such means as are within my reach. You pierce my soul. I am half agony, half hope. That's right, friends. We're so excited to announce our new season is going to be covering Jane Austen's last work, Persuasion. There's been a little bit of uh, hype, a little bit of discussion. I don't know if you can call it hype. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) A little bit of riveted discussion Mm -hmm. about persuasion Mm -hmm. for some unknown reason the last couple of weeks. Who could say? Don't know what that could be about. I'm so excited to jump into this with you. We've got a lot of fun adaptations lined up. Um, Something brand new also Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about, which is going to make the season extra exciting. But before we jump into persuasion, Julia, what's your sipping? Well, Beth, I am so glad to be back discussing a new novel, a fresh start for the summer. Um, And so today I am trying a new beverage, of course, to have with me. I am trying an aha caffeinated sparkling water in the flavor Fiji apple and white tea. So it's actually uh, a sparkling water with some, I think it's a tea leaf extract caffeine or something like that. So that's what I'm trying tonight. So Lori, what you sipping? I am currently sipping on and have been sipping on for the past couple of days, uh, a new seltzer to me. I guess it's a seltzer. It's high noon sun sips. Uh, of course, it's in the flavor black cherry because I am me and I will never was. change. Um, you know what to expect, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a vodka and soda drink, but it's sparkling. So if you don't like carbonation, I've had my noons before and they're actually really good. They were my gateway seltzer. <laughs> oh my gosh, gateway, gateway seltzer. seltzer. It was wow. the first alcoholic seltzer I've ever had. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we are just three peas in a pod this evening mm-hmm. because I am also drinking a sparkling water. I'm drinking an I'm also oh drinking goodness. an aha. Mm. But this is the blueberry pomegranate flavor. One could say we are minds in unison. Julia and I actually purchased our ahas. <laughs> At the same time. At the same Walmart, yes. I influenced. You could say I influenced her. (laughs) Are we truly influencers? (laughs) Just Beth to me. I don't know if that counts. (laughs) Are we ready to get into persuasion? Please tell me a story of Mm. truth. Talk about influence. Mm. Talk about persuasion. (laughs) (laughs) This novel (laughs) is really just name dropping the title every page almost. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) 
So let's get started. As always with these book episodes, we're going to begin with a short summary as a refresher for those of you who may not have read it in a while and maybe as an intro for those of you who have not read it before, although I would highly recommend picking this novel up. So our story opens discussing not our main heroine, but her father, who just so happens to be the most vain and annoying man that I have almost ever happened across in literature. His name is Sir Walter Elliot, and he is a baron, and his favorite activity is to read his uh, family history. And uh, it's, uh, it's really something to see this man. So we learn a little bit about Anne Elliot through this intro. Her father is an incredibly vain man. They're a high-ranking family. And at a young age, she also lost her mother, who is described as being a lovely, kind, and incredibly rational creature who really gr- grounds her family um, since her father can be a little, you know, pretentious, annoying, vain, whatever you want to call it. Anne is the second of three daughters, the oldest being Elizabeth, and she's called Miss Elliot throughout the novel, and her younger sister, Mary. Mary is uh, married off to a Charles Musgrove, who is not a super highly ranked man, but he belongs to a respectable and wealthy family, so it suits them just fine. Although they all kind of wish that she could have married a little bit better, if we're being honest. So we also learn from this intro that Anne Elliot has Lady Russell as a dear companion to her, who was her mother's best friend. Lady Russell dotes and loves Anne, which is really great for her because the rest of her family kind of dismisses and ignores her oftentimes. We also learn that eight years ago, Anne had a beautiful romance that blossomed at the tender age of 19 with a man named Frederick Wentworth. Yeah. I know. I know. They were uh, very attached to each other, very mutually in love. And he proposed and she said yes. But her family convinced her that he, as an aspiring naval officer with no fortune to, to his name quite yet, was not worthy of her affection. So they persuaded her to reject him. Haha, ha. Persuade. <laughs> you My caught dad. that. Um, and thus, Anne Elliot broke off an engagement, breaking her own heart and his heart. And she has never fully recovered. So this is how her novel opens. We then find out that without the rational influence of her mother, her father has been spending very extravagantly and they are not doing well money-wise. So they have to come up with a plan to figure out how to uh, make some money. So they decide that they're going to let their home to a family and that the rest of the family will move to a smaller house in Bath for the time being so they can save their honor and dignity but get some of their fortune back. So this is how our story really starts to take off, you guys. Uh, so Elizabeth Elliot and her father remove themselves to Bath and Mary Musgrove asks her sister Anne to come stay with her. Anne stays with Mary Musgrove and her husband Charles and their two young boys. And we really get an insight into just how annoying Mary is. She really reminds me of Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> Honestly, her nerves, man, yes. she's always ill. Yeah. Ailments. Mm. If she ever feels her pride feels slighted in the slightest, she is just, she just is falling ill all of a sudden, very dramatically. 
Uh, she's very hard to please. We also learned that her husband, Charles Musgrove, actually proposed to Anne post-Captain Wentworth, but of course she could not be one over because she is forever Frederick's. We also meet at this point Frederick's dear sisters, Henrietta and Louisa, and their parents, Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove, and Anne really thrives in the environment of this family. They're all super tight-knit, very close, very loving to each other. They uh, don't really... Um, always get along with her sister Mary. There's a, a hilarious moment where we hear dialogue from almost every character where everyone is telling Anne exactly <laughs> what she needs to do to fix everyone. Everyone has complaints about everyone to Anne and she can apparently fix it all. Yeah, Anne's the one hearing all of the grievances. Mm -hmm. Ultimate mom friend, mm -hmm. may I just mm -hmm. say. <laughs> they all think that she can fix her ridiculous sister. Her sister thinks that she can fix her overbearing mother-in-law, all of, all of these things. So then things get interesting, folks, because the family that decides to let Kenneth Hall, where Anne grew up, is Mr. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I need to use the correct titles. Admiral. <laughs> you said Admiral Mr. and Mrs. Croft. And Mrs. Croft just so happens to be the sister of da, 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 Captain Frederick Wentworth. Wow. What a turn of events, folks. So, of course, the Musgroves, being only three miles away, eventually decide to visit Admiral and Mrs. Croft. And they happen to be a very lovely couple. They dote on each other. They go on adventures together, walks, rides, etc. They're always together. It's adorable. And eventually, Captain Wentworth, very shortly actually, comes to join them. And he pretty much immediately begins to attach himself to the Musgroves. Uh, the first time he and Anne see each other, it is, uh, it's a little awkward. But it's basically just kind of some cold civility and formality towards each other. Um, and Anne has this devastating line about how they're just acquaintances when they used to be so much more and she's having a real rough time so obviously henrietta and louisa charles's sisters are super taken with captain frederick wentworth who by now has accrued a lot of money and uh, a lot of acclaim for his uh, role as a captain and so these girls just dote on him and he becomes the object of all of their attention and they are very clearly chasing this man, which of course is very hard for Anne to watch, but she is an upstanding and calm and rational creature who just bears it all and doesn't show any ill feelings towards them. Yeah, all of this is kind of internal. Like we've used mm -hmm. so much of this through Anne, and you feel like kind of the uncomfortability of Captain Wentworth mm -hmm. coming into the room and then mm -hmm. being in the same room for the mm -hmm. first time. Like mm -hmm. I've had experiences like that before um, where there's mm -hmm. all this unspoken stuff and not everyone else knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, I just thought that part was mm -hmm. so interesting. And I feel like it's important to talk about that when we're talking about like what's going on here. It's like all through Anne mm -hmm. and yeah. feeling the feelings of – Oh, this this man that I've been in love with. Mm -hmm. These girls are like basically fawning over him. Mm -hmm. And she, yeah, she. We read that she keeps it all together. No one would have any idea. Also, I think it's important to note on that as well that no one knows that Anne and Frederick used to be engaged. That's in this general vicinity. The only people who know about the engagement are people who are 
removed from Upper Cross, which is where her sisters live. So no one really knows what Anne's going through at all. So people just talk to her about the sisters and their interests all the time. The sisters talk to her about the interests and she just has to sit and listen and pretend it doesn't bother her. And she's slowly just, her heart is breaking. So eventually things take a turn. Everybody's trying to decide Louisa, Henrietta, who's he going to go for, etc. And we actually learned that Henrietta had been interested in her cousin, Charles. Um, and eventually he comes and sees her interacting with Captain Wentworth and gets a little sad. And we think that maybe uh, Wentworth is interested in Henrietta. But then we have this very interesting family walk that happens, mm -hmm. which consists of Henrietta. Louisa, their brother Charles, Mary, his wife, Anne, and Captain Wentworth. So they walk for quite a while until they actually get to Charles's family home. What a coincidence. And wow. there, Louisa convinces Henrietta to go inside and visit the family, and Charles decides to do that as well. So... While the families are visiting together, Captain Wentworth, Louisa, Mary, and Anne actually stay behind. And Mary, of course, is complaining about the walk and everything. She's very annoyed. Um, and so Anne at first sits with her, but then Captain Wentworth and Louisa begin to walk through a grove. And Mary, she's so annoying. She decides that they must have found a better place to sit. And so Anne has to go after them and make sure that they haven't found a better seat than the one that Mary's sitting on. Oh my goodness. Heaven so then forbid. Anne has to go over and try to find Captain Wentworth, who is on a seemingly romantic walk with Louisa. So she happens to find a seat in the grove and accidentally overhears a conversation where Louisa is essentially telling Captain Wentworth that Henrietta was interested in Charles, that she wasn't going to go inside, but she convinced her because being decisive is so important, etc. And then Captain Wentworth says something that really upsets Anne. He has no idea she can hear, but he talks about how important in a young lady it is to be decisive, to hold your ground, essentially, which is what Anne didn't do when they were engaged. And he just goes on and on about the importance of being so decisive and determined. And Anne is just so hurt and feels like she's watching them fall in love, essentially. And she's so heartbroken. So on the way back from the walk and the visit, after all of this is over, uh, the, the couples walk together. Um, Anne eventually gets a ride home from Admiral and Mrs. Croft. And it's actually uh, Captain Wentworth who convinces them to offer her a ride because she thinks it's because he can tell she's tired. But she wonders if she might be fooling herself about that. So after this... Captain Wentworth finds out that his dear friend, Captain Harville, is going to be in Lyme, which is actually very close to where they are. So he decides to go on a day trip and visit them, and he comes back with stories about the beauty of Lyme. And so Louisa, of course, decides they must go. Even though her father protests that it's winter and they're not going to have a lot of daylight, she is super insistent. It's almost like she's trying to be more determined, like Captain Wentworth told her or something. Aww. It's like one of those things, you know, when you're a pick me. Pick I know me. it's it's a big pick me move. Um, so the family decides to head to Lyme. The sisters, Anne and Mary, Captain Wentworth, and Charles. 
So they all head to Lyme together. They have a great time meeting the Harvels, who are incredibly kind people, and Anne can't help but imagine that these would be the types of people she would be friends with if she and Frederick had gotten married, and her heart is breaking as she sees him further attaching himself to Louisa. Uh, one day when she's walking back into their inn, she actually happens across a man who uh, kind of looks at her a little bit. He is essentially checking her out, I guess. Oh, yeah. Very much checking her out. <laughs> and as she's there, um, there was some smiling back at him, <laughs> yeah, uh, she notices that Captain Wentworth basically clocks that this has happened. And she's not really sure what she thinks he's feeling there. But he definitely notices. So... After this happens, there is an event that takes place. A surprising and dramatic event. The fateful. The fateful fall. Kind of the, the turning point. The turning point, if you will. Yeah. Every, someone has to fall ill. Someone has to fall ill. There has to be an injury. Some big event. So I'm sure you're wondering who, who this is. Well, on a walk in Lyme, Louisa decides to – I'm – Based on the description, it sounds like she decides to jump off of a small platform into Frederick's arms, essentially. And she's doing she's done this a couple of times, then he gets worried that she's going to get injured, and she says, No, I am a decisive woman who will stand my ground and I'm going to continue jumping again, trying to be decisive. Ugh. It's just, just big eye roll. Read the big room, eye roll. honey. Read the room. And here is Anne <laughs> having to watch this like kind of intimate physical touch and jubilation, and it's just horrible until Louisa jumps and Frederick doesn't catch her, and they think that she has died. I am not exaggerating. Like everyone thinks that she's died. Like yeah. her brother yeah. sister sister-in-law mary is freaking out her body goes limp and mm -hmm. it wasn't like captain like captain whitworth just missed her like he tried mm -hmm. to catch her she jumped sooner than she should have so just to be clear he didn't just like let oh her yeah fall. no it wasn't like <laughs> a trust ball turned into betrayal it was like a definitely an accident but captain wentworth is just beside himself that he let this happen and Anne, yet again is the only rational creature so Anne has to give the orders and captain bennick who i haven't talked about yet but he's actually he was the almost brother-in-law of the harvels he was going to marry captain harvel's sister who died tragically before their marriage he's a he's just a very sad young man and Anne actually really enjoyed talking to him about some very sad poetry of course but captain bennick is able to keep his his wits about him a bit she sends him running after a doctor she commands uh captain wentworth to hold on to Louisa and she holds on to Henrietta and Charles comforts his wife and eventually Louisa is taken to the doctor and the Harvels hear about this and immediately tell them that Louisa must stay at their home and Mrs. Harvel nurses her and she's being so kind and so gracious and they all decide together that something must happen because they are due back at Louisa and Henrietta's parents' home and they're going to know that something's wrong. So they have to find a way to get back to Louisa's parents. 
So they just have to figure out who it's going to be, who's going to be the best person to stay behind and nurse, who's going to be the best person to deliver the news. All of these things must be decided upon. And Anne is the very obvious answer to nurse Louisa because she is level-headed. She's just a great nurse. She's, she actually proved that earlier in the novel when her uh, nephew had a little uh, collarbone dislocation that her sister did not want to take care of because she was being incredibly selfish, but that's beside the point. Nothing like not caring for your children. But Anne does not get to stay behind because Mary gets jealous, essentially, and wants to be seen as the good nurse. So Anne winds up heading back to the Musgroves home with Captain Wentworth, who will deliver the news, and Henrietta, who really needs the support of her parents in this time that's pretty difficult for her. So they all go back to the Musgroves' home. They talk to the family for a few days and visit with them. But Captain Wentworth has to go back and he has to be in line and make sure uh, that he can essentially recover from this mistake that he's made and, and help the family out. Shortly after this, Anne actually has to remove herself to go visit with Lady Russell. This is a, an engagement that she had had set before. And shortly after um, attaching herself back to Lady Russell, she winds up removing with her to Bath to visit with her father and her sister, Miss Elliot. And there just could not be a more dramatic change in the type of company that she's holding now. Her family, who's vain and boring and frankly not interested in her life at all. Just really kind of bad family members. Bad family <laughs> members that she doesn't get along with. And honestly, she's kind of sad to be with them because they really don't care about her. They don't really ask about her. They don't seem particularly concerned about Louisa. Mm -hmm. And so she is, you know, not super happy to be there. But she, as always, has a brave face and is being incredibly polite. So after this, Louisa hears about a friend of hers from school, Mrs. Smith, who has actually fallen on some hard times. And she was married right after they graduated from school to a man who has since died. But essentially during their marriage, he was not a good financial manager and has left his poor wife financially destitute. And she has now fallen pretty ill. So Anne goes to visit her and they reunite and it's a wonderful visit. And most of Anne's time in Bath is not spent in some of the high society visitations that her father and sister are so excited about. It's actually spent visiting Mrs. Smith, who many people think is actually below her. After getting to Bath, she also discovers that there has been a turn of events. Big turn. A big turn. Shocking. And that turn is that a Mr. Elliot has come and been uh, frequently visiting the uh, Mr. Baron Elliot and Miss Elliot. Only slightly confusing. Only slightly confusing. <laughs> it's okay. Only one more Elliot to go. And, and why do we care about this Mr. Elliot, you might be saying? Well, we care about him for a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons is because he's the heir presumptive of Kellynch Hall and the estate. Because Mr. Elliot and father never had any sons. So their cousin, the young William Elliot, is going to be the heir of Kenich. And they have actually been uh, introduced to him before. They tried to build a relationship with him um, and get to know him as the future heir. And he essentially rejected their family and went off and married someone that they thought was very beneath him. And they were very hurt by his rejection of their friendship. Yeah. And I should say, based on, you know, 
Pride and Prejudice and several other of Jane's novels, we know how dangerous it is to have multiple daughters and no son. Mm, so true. So true. You you got to figure that out. He's people. basically this story's Mr. Collins. Mm, in some ways, yeah. But yeah. very different. And I think the main difference here is the rank of the Elliot family because he's a yeah. baron. This title means a lot more. So it's not just a piece of land that he's inheriting. He's also inheriting this title. That's and, so true. And the vanity of the Elliots, specifically the father and, and Elizabeth, they are their pride is largely centered around this title that they have so his seemingly uh like devil may care attitude about that title is just like offensive to them in every way everyone also was rooting for him to marry elizabeth the oldest daughter and he just seemed to not have interest about in her at all and it seemed later on they got word that he had essentially been bad mouthing them to his acquaintances after yeah. uh, he met them the first couple of times. So they did not like this Mr. Elliot. Yeah, they've been estranged for a number a of quite years. Well, now Mr. Elliot is a widower and his, his wife, who they all believe beneath him, she's gone now. Uh, but he hears that the Elliots are going to be in Bath. And ever since he found out that the Elliots were in Bath, he has been worming his way into their lives. And boy, did they let him because he essentially groveled. He apologized. He made excuses. He said that he uh, was, you know, young and foolish and just a lot of different things. And they, they believed him because now he seems to be all the gentlemen. Uh, he's acting in the way that they believe you should be acting. And he is giving them the attention they believe they de deserve. So Anne gets to meet this Mr. Elliot and she realizes that he is actually the handsome stranger that looked at her and checked her out in Bath. What are the odds? Crazy. I know. Insane. I would say very good. <laughs> so Mr. Elliot actually is paying a lot of attention to Anne a lot of attention a little sus mm -hmm. a little sus but they do hey. seem to be getting along quite well they do seem to be getting along quite well he actually does confide in her as well and he tells her that a a mrs clay who has been in their party for quite some time she's a friend of elizabeth's uh, many people are suspicious that mrs clay is trying to marry walter elliot Anne's father and that is why she's hanging out with the family and uh young mr william elliot tells Anne in so many words that essentially he's worried about this and doesn't trust her and this uh speaks to Anne a little bit she sees that he's very perceptive um kind of tries begins um believing uh his judge of character um all of these things um, so we have another shocking turn of events, ladies and gentlemen. You thought the concussion was insane. Well, this is just something else. It's a two for Louisa Musgrove really bring in the dramatic. She turns. really does. Anne gets a letter from her sister Mary saying that Louisa Musgrove is who we believe to be in love with, with Captain Captain Wentworth. Yeah, Captain Wentworth. Louisa Musgrove is engaged to captain bennick what? what no one no one was expecting this turn of events a real frank churchill kind of situation so yes. true so Anne is you could say half agony half hope 
<laughs> I mean, you really could. She is on one hand potentially devastated for Wentworth and worried that this dear friend of his has potentially betrayed him. And on the other hand, full of hope that now Wentworth is single. She literally says, well, he's not married. He's so. available. <laughs> That's good for me. So shortly after this, Mary, Charles, and Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove, as well as Henrietta, actually come to Bath in order to get wedding clothes for Henrietta, who is happily reunited with her cousin Charles, which we're just not going to talk about the cousin thing. It's the 1800s. It's, it's a weird. different time. Every single time it makes me uncomfortable, but we're just, we're not going to talk about this weird slight. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It <laughs> but Anne is very excited to have these dear acquaintances of hers back in her life. And with them, they have actually brought Captain Harville and his wife as well. So she is so excited to be back in the company of these people that she loves so dearly. And she actually is able to talk to them a little bit. Uh, Admiral and Mrs. Croft specifically, who are related to Frederick, their brother and sister-in-law. Um, they are giving her a little bit of news, the the only proper amount that she can ask for, of course, because she has to keep up appearances. Uh, she tries to check in, see how he's doing, and honestly doesn't get very much information. He essentially says that he sounds fine, but she feels like she he doesn't know what he's talking about, really. <laughs> she's not looking deep tea. enough into these letters for her. So he says that he is considering inviting Wentworth to come see them just to check on him, you know, have them spend some time together. And Anne is just absolutely over the moon about that idea. Well, the next day, before they can even write the letter, Captain Wentworth is in town. Oh, He's amazing. just here. Perfect timing. And she's like, ah! and everything has changed, you guys. Not to quote Taylor Swift, but everything has changed. A very fateful day, my friends. They see each other in a drawing room and it is a little awkward but they are they're you know they're they, there they're acknowledging it, each other it's you gotta get through and it. then things heighten they are at a concert she has to be in the fancy box with their cousin the dowager countess it's annoying but while they're waiting for the dowager in the lobby she sees none other than captain frederick wentworth my friends and you know what Anne does? Anne steps out of her comfort zone and literally takes a step towards Wentworth. And it is such a small whoa, thing, such a small thing. But they have a very intimate conversation, mm -hmm. the most friendly and open conversation they've had the whole novel. They essentially talk about Louisa and he discusses how incredibly happy he is for her. He's being super genuine and she is just so excited to hear that and she feels like there's hope and they're connecting and there's some some things shared some hints made and then Anne goes to her box she has to leave and she's very sad to leave well during the show her cousin mr william elliot sits mm. next to her and he's asking her to translate the italian in the program because of course you can't translate the italian because she's amazing <sighs> And she looks over and tries to catch Frederick Wentworth's eye and can tell that he was just looking at her, but he's turned away. She tries to catch him later on. He's walking by the box and it seems like he's kind of ignoring her. So she's really worried. So after essentially the intermission, she positions herself at the edge of the box. She is, she is doing it, folks. She is really 
She's trying. She's She's trying so hard. So she positions herself at the edge of the box and she talks to him. She catches his attention. They talk to each other and he seems to be warming up slightly after speaking to her, Uh, but he says he's going to leave. He's not really enjoying the music. And then he says that there is nothing to keep him here, which is just (laughs) devastating. Hurts. Hurts. Big time. And so she's really peeved at Mr. Elliot because she's pretty sure it's his fault. She thinks somehow that it's his fault. Mm. Is she right? Which I mean, I, I mean, I mean, earlier Anne had thought that Captain Wentworth was in love with Louisa because they were spending time together. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's not the biggest stretch when. When Mr. Elliot is interested in Anne and they're spending time together, that mm. that maybe mm-hmm. maybe there would be something going on. So after this concert, she goes to visit her friend Mrs. Smith, who you guys she loves to gap. She loves to gossip so much, and she knows it all because she has this friend who's a nurse, and everybody tells nurses everything. Not gonna lie, my type of lady. So she finds out from her friend Mrs. Smith that everybody is assuming that she and Mr. Elliot are gonna get married. Literally everyone thinks that. So Anne has some suspicions confirmed. When Anne finally reassures her friend that they are not getting married, her friend spills major tea. We Thank God that Mr. Elliot was really good friends with her husband and that his horrible influence is a huge part of the reason why they are financially destitute. We also find out that he is the executor of her husband's will and that post her husband's death, he ignored her and would not help her out. And there's a property that she is convinced and she knows that her husband owns, that she needs uh, to be able to access so she can sell it for money because she is she is destitute, you guys. And she cannot get Mr. Elliot to do anything about, for, about it for her. She also tells Anne about all of the horrible things that Mr. Elliot said about her and her family when he first made their acquaintance. And we learn that he used to not care at all for titles, that he really wanted to be rich. Then when he married a rich wife, who didn't have any titles. He treated her super poorly. And now that he's older, he has realized, you know what? I got really rich, but that wasn't enough. Now I need a title. And essentially that's the reason that he's acting the way that he is. And Mm. he is here in Bath because he wants to get back on the Elliot good side to secure that barren position that he's heard about this woman who is cozying up next to Anne's father is worried that if they get married, he'll lose his title. So he is number one there to try to prevent that match from happening. And then he met Anne. I was like, you know what? I got this. So we figured out that Mr. Elliot sucks. And Anne's like, I got to tell somebody. I got to tell Lady Russell. And that is her plan until, until she goes to visit the Musgroves. And who should be there but captain and mrs harville and and the infamous captain frederick wentworth y'all so she gets there she's sitting between mrs harville and mrs musgrove and they're just kind of gabbing away about something she doesn't really feel like she's part of the conversation it's fine they're talking about louisa and her fall and all these things 
And then Admiral, sorry, Captain Harville gestures her over to a window. So she's stationed by this window with Captain Harville. She's near Captain Wentworth, who is furiously working on a letter for some reason. And essentially, Captain Harville tells her that his dear friend, Captain Benwick, who is now getting married to Louisa, he was supposed to marry Captain Harville's sister until she tragically passed. Captain Benwick had a portrait made of himself at his previous fiance's request, and it was never able to be given to her because she passed before she could have it. And now Captain Benwick has asked that this portrait be sent to Louisa and Captain Harville is just having a really hard time with it because he loves his friend, but he loved his sister and he feels like his sister never would have forgotten Captain Benwick so quickly because it's been less than a year. So he feels like his sister is being forgotten and that just makes him so sad and he needs somebody to talk to about it. This is like a really feeling guy, you know, he's such a sweetheart. So Anne talks to him and she kind of says, you know, women are, are more attached than men. And then he's like, no, I love my wife so much. You should imagine the glee that I feel <laughs> when I see them on the horizon. It is immense. And it's a really, really cute, Which, so sweet, really so sweet. cute declaration of his love for his family. And then Anne kind of clarifies and she says, you know, men can love deeply. I know they can love just as deeply as women. What I was trying to say is that women's affection tends to endure for so much longer when their love seems lost to them forever, whether that's through, you know, death or something else. And Anna's saying this all with Captain Wentworth in the same room. Pretty close by. Like, yeah. Conveniently like very close. Mm -hmm. close. And he, she has noticed a few times that he's either stopped writing and then at one point actually drops his quill, drops his quill. So she, she, might have an idea that he could potentially hear what she's saying. And of course she's talking about him. She's saying that her love for him is still enduring. So Captain Harville and Captain Wentworth get up to leave the room to dispatch this letter that Captain Wentworth was writing about this portrait on behalf of Captain Harville. So he didn't have to uh, do this task himself of changing the portrait from his dear sister to another woman. And the two men set off to finish their errand together. And right after they set off, Captain Wentworth actually rushes back in, says that he's forgotten a glove, picks it up off of the table, and as he's leaving, slyly passes a note to Anne, who in that moment realizes that this letter could mean everything. And she thinks it does. She thinks that whatever this letter says will mean everything to her. Boy, is she right? And this letter essentially tells her that he is listening. He's like, I'm listening to your conversation. I can't listen any longer. I am half agony, half hope. Then he hears her say that men love just as much as women, but that women endure. And he is just, he is elated. And he tells her that he, essentially he still loves her. And that one look from her will tell him whether or not she should go to his father's house tonight one look one word and he will know if he should go to her father's house or leave forever and she is just feeling everything she is overcome with so much emotion and just a few minutes after she's had time to even barely process what the contents of this letter means 
her sister and family all walk into this house and there's just so much going on and she's so overwhelmed and she has to tell everyone that she needs to go home because she's so overwhelmed, but she doesn't want to leave because then she won't be able to look at Captain Wentworth and give him the message that she so longs to give him. So eventually she realizes though that she needs to be able to compose herself so she has to go home, but she implores her friend, Mrs. Musgrove, to tell Captain Wentworth and Captain Harville, and she says Captain Harville, and then kind of was like, oh, and Captain Wentworth, that they really need to come to dinner tonight. It's so important. And then Mrs. Musgrove is like, oh, dear, they know. They know they're invited. And she's like, no, but please, can you can you tell them? I got the feeling they don't know. Please, please tell them. And she's like, oh, they know. Don't worry about it. And she's like, but please tell them anyway, please. And she's like, oh, yeah, Captain, Captain Harville knows. He totally knows. And she's like, and Captain Wentworth, please tell Captain, Captain Wentworth. Wentworth. But it's okay. Because but it's okay because – her brother, Charles, brother-in-law, I'm sorry, Charles, takes her on a, a walk back to her parents' house. And who would they run into on this walk other than Captain Wentworth? And and her emotions are described. She's barely able to compose herself so that she can even look at Captain Wentworth. But she does. And he sees her. He sees her looking at him and then conveniently Charles says, hey, man, uh, I really need to go check out this uh, weapon uh, and I'm going to miss it if I keep walking my sister-in-law. So could you take over? And conveniently, Captain Wentworth takes her arm. It's just like this perfect moment of, such, of glee and they're uh, like both so happy. It's so sweet. Such an amazing moment. And Austin gives us this perfect mix of dialogue and summaries so that we get these beautiful lines, but we still give this couple their privacy. They exchange their love declarations that are said in similar ways as they were when they were 19, but this time with so much deeper meaning and such a greater understanding of each other's character. They discuss everything that's gone on, and we learn that Captain Wentworth, even though he was enjoying the attentions of Louisa was never really in love with her. And we learned that when he had the separation from her, when she had her concussion, he realized that people were assuming that they were going to get engaged and got really freaked out because he never intended to marry Louisa. He saw some of the defects in Louisa that we all realized that she's missing a certain level of, of, uh, composure and maturity. And he never intended to lead Louisa on. And he tells Anne that she is the only woman that he has ever loved. And they just write all of the confusion that has gone on between them. And he tells her that once he heard that Anne was in Bath, he knew he must come to her immediately to see if he could ascertain her feelings and propose yet again. And the story ends so happily with Captain Wentworth and Anne happily engaged and set to live a beautiful life together. Finally, after eight and a half long years. It's so sweet. So beautiful. I'm so happy for them. Like you get so invested in their relationship. So invested. Let's talk about our two main characters. Um, A major part of this book is like a weird ensemble cast of people who shift and move depending on where we're at, right? So mainly we're going to focus on our dear, dear Anne Elliot and our sweet, sweet Captain 
Frederick Wentworth um, every week and, you know, every other week. And depending on, you know, how that adaptation goes, whichever character we feel needs a good shout out uh, or needs a bad shout out, uh, we'll uh, sprinkle those in. Or if you have a favorite character, let us know. But first, let's talk about our sweet Anne. She is, of course, as Julia said, the middle child. Shout out all you middle people. Uh, of Me. Sir Walter. Uh, she is smart, accomplished, attractive, and yet unmarried at 27, which is, I feel you, girl. Uh, everybody ignores her, which is sad. And, you know, she's kind of internalizing the entire time, which is understandable when you're the only sane one in your family. Uh, she was, of course, once engaged to Frederick, who is now a naval commander. How attractive is that, a man in uniform? Uh, and her most important details are, like, being conscious of her responsibilities of making a good match now, which is, you know, unfortunate. And, of course, the perfect match to our beloved Anne, her true love that she's waited for so long, Frederick Wentworth, or should I say Captain Frederick Wentworth, you know, he's our perfect gentleman, he's perfect, he's sensible, he's not Anne's foil because that's incorrect, but he compliments her. You know, he's the perfect gentleman, he loves and gets along well with all of the children, um, and he is now on the hunt for a wife. And so we kind of get to see this push and pull of Anne's emotions as she sees her one true love attempt to marry somebody else. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe him. You know, it's it's funny because he's so different from Darcy. Like, he's not this brooding, mysterious guy. He's just, like, forthright, a good guy, mm -hmm. like, great-spirited. Very sincere. Yeah. Has lots of fun stories to tell. He's well liked. You know? mm, yeah, Very, everybody loves him. Just by saying he's well liked, we know that he's <laughs> not a Darcy. <laughs> he's pretty different than Darcy. And I mean, he's even different from thinking about Emma, like Mr. Knightley, because Mr. Knightley is super kind, but he's also, you know, fairly critical of Emma. He has these really high standards, and Captain Wentworth does too. But he goes about it, and I would say a little bit more of a kind and gentle way. Like you can tell his standards are high because he loves Anne. And this is such a different novel because we're not seeing them fall in love and like discover the good characteristics about each other. They already know the good characteristics mm, about each other. Yeah. Like what Lori pointed out, they know that about each other. And it's just like basically them finally like working it out and being mm. able to actually be together. Like the love is already there. Mm -hmm. It hasn't gone away. For either of them ever. Yeah. I, so I'm – I'm really excited to talk about this, not only because the new movie is coming out, but also because I just really like Persuasion. I think mm -hmm. it's different. I think it's a more mature novel than some of Austin's other books. Yeah. Um. So I'm curious. I, I do kind of know the answers to this already, but tell me about, you know, your first experience with Persuasion. Maybe this was your first mm -hmm. experience with Persuasion. Like, when did you read it for the first time? What was your first Persuasion adaptation? Mm -hmm. Like. Have you even seen one? I want to know. So I suppose I'll go ahead and start. My first experience with Persuasion was actually this week 
listening to the novel on Audible. <laughs> I have <laughs> never read Persuasion. I've never seen any adaptations. So this was my very first experience with Persuasion. And I cannot believe I've never read or watched any of the adaptations before. Um, as I said on the podcast, my experience with Austin was largely influenced by my mom and the adaptations that she liked. And for whatever reason, she has a copy of Persuasion, but she never watched it with me. So I had never seen or read this story in any way. And so my first experience was listening to uh, the novel on Audible, and it was actually narrated by Juliet Stevenson, who plays Mrs. Elton in the 1995 Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow. So I thought that was so fun uh, because, she, you know, I am just intimately familiar with that particular adaptation of Emma and that character's voice kind of comes up as a narrator at the end of the movie. So she sounds like Austin to me and she just did an incredible job voicing the characters. Um, it felt like really immersive to me. I love listening to stories. Um, and so I thought, Oh, gosh, my first impressions of this novel, oh, just amazing. I loved, loved, loved it. And I can't believe that I've missed out on it for so long. But at the same time, I'm glad that I read it at this point in my life because I feel like I can really appreciate the stage of life that she's in more at this point than I might have been able to before. That's a good point. I like that perspective. What about you, Lori? Um... My first experience with persuasion was actually in college. So our dear friend, Emily, um, was shocked that I'd read several other Jane Austens, but not persuasion. So she demanded I, re mm -hmm. I read it specifically to read the Wentworth letter. And boy, was she right. Um, so the first time I read it, I... You know, I hadn't gone through the uh, love and loss really to the extent of Anne, so didn't super identify with that. Also, like, it's not that common. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> uh, was also in my very early twenties, so mm. it wasn't getting the sensible middle child vibes. You know, uh, now on this most current read through, boy, was I identifying with Anne really feeling it. Uh, and it's just, it's such a great story of like, you know, love enduring and coming back around. Um, I actually have never seen any of the adaptations. So like Julia in a different way, but like Julia, I am flying into this blind. Um, I've heard a couple things, but I haven't seen anything. Beth, what about you? It's just concerning to me how much of my life I must have spent watching TV and movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. You are the movie aficionado of the three of us. I do I feel like say. I have seen, I've said this before, almost every single thing. <laughs> and it's just funny because there's so many times when you guys are like, oh yeah, I haven't seen that. And I'm like, wow. What? You didn't do a deep dive into YouTube to find this persuasion adaptation when you were 12 years old? Oh my gosh. I definitely saw, I think, one or two of the adaptations of persuasion during that time, but I did not read the novel until I think about a year and a half ago. I listened to it for the first time and I really liked it, but I was so mad afterwards because I found out that I had listened to an abridged version and 
I think it was like an hour and a half shorter than the mm. normal persuasion <gasps> audiobook oh, would be. What did they take out? I, you know, I'm trying to remember, but I think that their relationship at the end like hurried really fast and like mm. tied up really quickly. I think that we lost a lot of the I lost a lot of the detail of mm. everything that happened. That's the main thing that like stood out to me this time. I didn't remember that. So this time I actually listened to a new version. Spotify is doing Spotify books where they're releasing audiobooks mm. for free on their platform. And so this is just for free on Spotify. It's persuasion. It's narrated by Cynthia Arrivo. And I thought it was a great reading. I enjoyed that it was on the Spotify app. I found it a little bit easier to navigate that way. Um, and I, of course, really enjoyed it being uh, not abridged. <laughs> <laughs> I I spitting all the details. I think that one Austin movie, it might honestly be the 2005 Pride and Prejudice I originally saw on TV. So they had cut out a couple of scenes. And to this day, when I watch that movie, those scenes still somehow feel new to me. Yes. So in some ways, I think it's kind of almost fun when your first experience you miss out on some things because then you're like there's more <laughs> yeah because i was like bitter about it for so long i was really looking forward to rereading it mm. so i'm glad i did so that is my persuasion experience i've got one more question for you guys before we go before we spend this whole season talking about adaptations tell me you know jules you just read it for the first time mm. laura you've never seen an adaptation when you read this book What's something that stands out to you? Gosh, well, I just absolutely loved Persuasion. I feel like I say this every time, but man, I feel like this might be one of my favorites of hers. I really do <laughs> think I say this every time, but I felt like this story was so unique because of the intimate perspective we get on Anne since it's mostly focused on her rather than her and a sister. Um, and I... First of all, I, I was quite struck by how almost every ensemble character is quite ridiculous in some ways. And Anne is really the one kind of like calm presence throughout the story. So there's a lot of comedy there, a lot of comedy. So I, I thought this was hilarious in a lot of moments and just kind of the heartbreak and tension of it. Uh, of the novel throughout with Anne's like quiet longing for Captain Wentworth. It was just, oh, I was so immersed. And I think that her uh, description of Anne's emotions as she reads the letter bleeding into that moment where she sees him for the first time, I felt so stressed out for Anne. Like I felt like I was in this moment with her just waiting with bated breath to see what happened. And I felt like it was all done so well. And then one final thing I know I'm saying many things. <laughs> but one final thing that stuck out to me too is that I think that this is the most highly ranked main character that Austin has ever written about. So that was a really interesting perspective to me as well. Like we get to see them in these fancy boxes at concert halls with the Dowager Countess. So the dynamic of Austin's portrayal of kind of this higher level of society that we haven't seen was also really interesting to me seeing those critiques through the eyes of Anne. Um, I just, I loved Anne so much and I was just rooting for her so much. <laughs> So those are the th many things that stuck out to me. Yeah, I I would agree. I think it's really interesting to um, to think about the class thing and that she was 
she's such a higher class than what we're used to seeing. Um, there's, there's a particular line that really sticks out to me. And it actually, when you mentioned it in your summary, I felt that way too. And it's when she thinks about how she's with the Harvilles and she thinks these people could have been, could have been my friends. Mm. Like if we had gotten together, I would be friends with these people. And, and because her family doesn't act necessarily the way that a loving family would, mm. I think it's really sweet and ending up with Captain Wentworth that she does mm-hmm. kind of get this other chosen family. I mean, that the idea of the chosen family that we talk about, that we talked about with Zachary, with uh, Gay Pride and Prejudice, that that comes into play here too, mm-hmm. I think, through Anne's story. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that comes to mind is we have a friend, uh, her name is Ariana, and she is not a big Jane Austen fan. But she had to read Persuasion for school and she really loves it. And she really identifies with Anne. And she has some of the similar like characteristics, similar mm-hmm. thought process. Mm-hmm. So whenever <laughs> I read this book, I always think about her. Mm-hmm. And and she read it well before I did and would always talk about it to me and say it's hard for me to separate listening to this book <laughs> and thinking about our friend. Yeah. I think for me, the one thing that super stands out is just this almost love conquers all thing that I don't know if Jane Austen purposely meant to put in there but you know what I'm seeing it uh just that you know what what is truly meant to be is gonna happen and that you know if Anne kind of you know she stays true to herself even to the end but you know she did get the man that she loved and so that kind of really stands out to me one thing I will say I'm like super excited to see how these adaptations do is like the whole last bit of the book from the letter on like how quickly Anne's emotions change from being so controlled and um, not careful, but, you know, like very, you know, calm, cool, collected too. all of a sudden there's, there's frantic energy running around inside of her body and she's got to get, that. no, there absolutely is. And I think that that was really striking to me too, because once Anne finds out that Louise is engaged to someone else, she like almost every interaction with her and Captain Wentworth in Bath, she does something a little bit forward to kind of like hint to him that she is open or she has regrets or whatever. And that is a huge change from the kind of like reserved nature of her um, at the beginning of the story. So it'll be, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the different adaptations play those moments because they're so pivotal. All right, Lori, from the novel Persuasion, tell us, who would you date? Hmm. Wow. I have such a choice of men. I mean. Of such such gallant men. Some of them are actually really great. Some of them are. I yeah, mean, like, that's even true. Even the married ones, you could like assume we're, we're talking about prior well, to their marriage, of course. I'm going to have to take the easy out here. I mean, who would you pick other than Captain Wentworth, yeah, right? Yeah, honestly. I mean. Yeah. The man's love endures. Well, I'm not entirely surprised you mm. chose him, Lori, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to who you may choose in the adaptations in the future. I mean, we'll like, see. That is true. He's the leading gentleman. But Benwick's got some appeal. I mean, Harville? 
Yeah. Phil, like him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lori, question number two for you. What did you think of your freaking black cherry? <laughs> I loved it. It was so Yay. good. So my parents had a small get together this past weekend. And of course, they bought alcohol for their small get together. They had Trulies in high noon. And, you know, who am I if not the child that lives in their house that will gladly drink their alcohol for them? Uh, you know, while I was quarantining myself from potentially having COVID. So uh, I decided to try the high noon. I stepped out of my comfort zone, but not too far because it is, you know, black cherry. Um, yeah, it's great. It's not super carbonated, so if you're not a huge fan of carbonated things, but you want to dip your toe in the water, great option. Yeah, I I really like my uh, blueberry and pomegranate aha. It's <laughs> delightful. I just needed something more than regular water. Really not a huge like Valid. sparkling water person. It's taken me a long time to get here. But it's really hot here in the summer. My bank account cannot support my iced coffee, <laughs> my daily desire for iced coffee. And Ben is wonderful. He makes me iced coffee whenever I want it, but it's just not practical. Anyways, this is just the greatest like little canned cool beverage to take home or I really to take back to work after my lunch break. It's been helping <laughs> me get through the last four hours of the day. So uh, my white tea Fiji apple aha with caffeine was really good it was <laughs> why, why are you guys i'm sorry just just the lengthy title it is it's was the title. Just very, oh. it's so long <laughs> i just wanted to make sure that people know what i'm talking about gotta be specific um but i really enjoyed it it's a a, a nice carbonation nice level and i think that the flavor is like very kind of um almost like a florally fruity you definitely get the white tea vibes from that uh so I really enjoyed the flavor I thought I could taste it personally and you don't really notice any kind of a difference based on the the caffeine either it just feels like a uh, nicely flavored sparkling water to me so I enjoyed it it's a nice enhancement for the evening just be clear mine is not caffeinated <laughs> Beth Beth needs limited caffeine <laughs> at all times. Not a big caffeine gal. Uh, well, friends, it was fun to talk to you about persuasion today. Looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and rate our podcast on Spotify as well. We are so grateful for those of you who have done that. Um, and please go ahead and follow us on Instagram. We are at Sips and Sensibility Pod. And like our Facebook page, we are Sips and Sensibility. Next time, we are going to start off our venture into the persuasion adaptation zone uh, with the 2007 persuasion film uh, you can watch it on amazon with a BritBox subscription or if you have a standalone BritBox subscription you can watch it on BritBox. it's that simple but until then just keep sipping y'all <laughs>